Tom Bernard Show with Andy Rampernard, Dave Schrader. And we'll be right back in a couple of seconds. Check the news, what's going on, plus Lori Nadell. I would it's Edel, it's could it's Nadel or Nadell. They've narrowed or, it down. Or Nadell. <laughs> N-A-D-E-L. Yeah, I'd go Nadel. Nadel. Yeah. Probably Nadell because we're both going with Nadel. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, she'll be on in the third segment. We'll be right back, Tom Bernard aren't you? Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business that started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard Show. Markness Mike is in here. Markness Mike. You know, I do a voiceover in his uh, book about the presidents, the ghosts. Oh, you do? Yeah, in that book, uh, the, the Who's Haunting the White House. I get Who's to do uh, a couple the White House. Of, I get to do a couple of historic voices. Really? Yeah. So well, it's a great a book. It's audio. Audio version is up on Audible now, and it's only like four dollars and ninety five cents. Really? Yeah, and it's good. Good way to teach kids. You know, I, I was talking about this with Jeff before. For history, if you can find an interesting hook to history, and ghosts of the White House, and why would the ghosts be there? What what are they there to teach us? Right. I think that would intrigue and and entrance people much more into learning about this. And that's what I love about the book. When he he had it out as a regular book, right? And uh, kids loved it. And I said, man, you should do an audio book version. People love listening to the stuff in the car. You could listen to this with the kids on the way to school or on a trip. And it's a great piece to share because it's historic. It tells great stories. It's not scary ghosts, but it's telling you about right. the history and ghosts of the of the White House. I like it. Yeah. So it's on available on uh, on Audible? Yeah, Audible. All right. And iTunes, I think. They're make it available all the way across the boards. Jeff Belanger. Yeah. 
the name of the author. Kanye West has praised Tesla boss Elon Musk and right-wing pundit Candace Owens on his Twitter feed. The rapper recently returned to the social media platform following an extended break. He marked his return by sharing a T-shirt from the San Pablo, uh, or it says here, St. Pablo tour. St. Pablo? That doesn't sound right. I thought it was San Pablo. Let's see here. Um, uh, oh, it's a song of his called St. Pablo. St. Pablo, okay. Yeah, it should be San Pablo. or First thing he's ever gotten wrong. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Adorned with Khloe Kardashian's face. Khloe Kardashian, that's weird. On Saturday, April 21st, the rapper stirred up controversy by praising right-wing pundit Candace Owens. I don't. Is she a right-wing pundit? I have no idea who she is. I don't really understand. The communications director of nonprofit organization Turning Point USA, Owens shut down a Black Lives Matter protest at one of the group's events on Friday and has said she believes there is an ideological civil war within the African-American community. We should point out, by the way, that Candace, Owen, uh, is, Candace Owens is black. She is? Yes. Oh, she is. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Oh, she's only 28, too. Yeah, she's only 28 years old, too. Oh, yeah. I had no idea who she was. Wes sparked outrage from his followers when he uh, tweeted, I love the way Candace Owens thinks. Many hit back at the musician with one fan replying, hugely disappointing. You can do so much better. Another said, so by becoming a Republican, all of the social issues plaguing me and my community will magically go away. It's funny. This is literally what she was talking about, and they're not even aware of it. I know. It's mm-hmm. literally what she was talking about, and they they have no idea that you're exactly who she was yeah, talking they about. They play right into it, and they have no idea. Owens responded to West's tweet saying she was freaking out and asking the rapper to take a meeting with her. I tell every single person that, that everything that I have been inspired to do was written in your music, she said. I am my own biggest fan because you made it okay. I need you to help wake up the black community. This is unbelievable. Yesterday, April 22nd, West also shared his thoughts on his Tesla car with his followers, writing, I really love my Tesla. I'm in the future. Thank you, Elon. Yeah, well, I had a Tesla years before you did, Kanye, so kiss my living ass. What do you think of that? I loved my Tesla. It was an interesting car, that's for sure. It was a not very, for tall people. Not for tall people, very tall. I was about as big as you could be and right in that Tesla. Yeah, it was difficult to get into. It was, but it was extremely fast. And the only reason I don't, I, I, I don't still have it is because that was the very first model. It was the uh, Tesla Roadster, and it would do something called bricking, whereas if the battery went dead or the connection went wrong, you could not move the car. So if it stopped running on the freeway, it would have to sit on the freeway till they put a new battery in it or figured out what was wrong with it. You couldn't tow it. You Ooh. couldn't push it. You couldn't move it. So I said, I can't. That's, a, that's kind of a fatal bug in the, in the bugaboo, isn't yeah, they, it? Yeah, wow. they, they, fig, they fixed that. Thank yeah. God. <clears throat> Great grief. car, though. Wonderful car. In a series of follow-up tweets about his Tesla model SP100D, an electric car, he said he had heard those are these are really good for the environment and called it the funnest car I've ever driven. Elon responded, there's no such word as funnest. <laughs> no, he did not. That's not true. I made that part up. He wrapped his, thought, uh, he wrapped his thoughts on the vehicle by uh, tweeting, I'm supercharged, about to take this whole thing to Mars. I don't get that reference no elon sent a oh, right, car the, into space oh, that's, that's right. right that's right which was dumb as hell it was really stupid because he the uh taxpayer paid for it you know that right uh 
Well, okay. a lot of people paid for it. Even I think there was even government money behind it. The taxpayer money, the there was individual like money, everything. Billion oh, yeah, billion dollars. Well, I mean, and there's so much rocket fuel that gets burned in order to launch anything into space. Yeah, exactly. So to burn that much rocket fuel for a publicity stunt is kind of, you know, isn't that antithetical to their whole idea of reduce emissions kind of mm, stuff? I would think so. Meanwhile, West also announced the release dates for five albums since returning to Twitter. He has told fans to expect records from him. Nas, Pusha T, Tiana Taylor, and his collaboration with Kid Cudi. Is that Kid Cudi or Kid Cutie? I have no idea. I have no idea. I think it's Cudi. I think it's Kid Cudi, yeah. Well, there you go. All five albums are going to be released by the end of June. Oh, something to look forward to. I guess so. How do you become famous releasing albums when you can't sing? At all. He cannot I mean, sing his, at all. He's well, horrible. I mean, how did I Bob Dylan get famous? But he, he can't you sing. You know, he had a message, and he was yeah. tolerable. Yeah. This guy has no voice. He has to completely auto-tune what he does. Yeah, he does. He's he's, you know, what? If you're a writer, you're a writer. But then again, I guess you got like uh, musicians like Charlie Puth, who've got a lot of great songs that are out right now. Right. And and blown up. But he admits, if it weren't for auto-tune, there would be no Charlie yeah. Puth. Yeah. Well, so, there you go. You know, but where is that? Should we dismiss? an artist because they don't have the ability to actually do what they do, but they have a passion for it. And now technology is caught up so that anybody can be a singer. And if you're a great songwriter, because, you know, unfortunately the, the life of songwriters is really not what it ever was. In the 60s, no. 50s, 60s, 70s, no. 80s, you could have songwriters. Now most musicians do their own music. And nobody wants music written by other people. Yeah, I think that's true. Back in the right days when all those... Uh... Rock and roll love songs were written by a 70-year-old guy named Jerry Goldstein. Yeah, exactly. That's right. very, very true. I, uh, you know, there. it's all, I suppose, what you like, what you don't like. It's all your own ear. Because to tell you the truth, if I ever have to hear Knocking on Heaven's Door by Axl Rose again, I might kill myself. <laughs> there are it some is songs one of the that... worst things I've ever heard in that, 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 you know what Oh, oh, really? God. Have you heard his version of Liver Let Die? Horrible. I, Horrible. I've, I've been ruined to uh, those two songs now because I can't I hear, even when I hear the I originals, know. which I loved, I can't hear anything but I call him Axel Merman. He sounds like Ethel Merman he does. singing rock songs on he both does. of those. And some people think he's just got a wonderful voice. Well, he's got a unique voice, and that makes him unique. stand alone. I get it. That's but true. Unique. You're right about that. Yeah. The police said Monday that they had arrested a suspect in the killing of four people at a Waffle House in Nashville, ending a wide search that had unnerved one of the largest cities in the South. Uh, about 160 law enforcement officials had been involved in the search for the suspect, Travis Reinking, 29, who officials said used an AR-15 rifle to carry out a rampage at a restaurant southeast of downtown on Sunday morning. The police said uh, they arrested Mr. Reinking on Monday afternoon in a wooded area near the apartment complex where he lived, bringing an end to a manhunt that had stretched into its second day. Only hours earlier, Don Aaron, a Metro Nashville police spokesman, had told reporters, we don't know where he is. It is possible he has left the area. In addition to the four people who were killed, Aquila Da Silva, 23, D. Ebony Groves, 21, Joe R. Perez, 20, and Toreen C. Sanderlin, 24, Four people were wounded in Sunday's attack. Now, Ryan King is a white guy, and uh, the article says that the, the people he killed were all people of color. 
Well, so, Joe Perez could be. Joe Perez. Could, could go D either Ebony way. Groves. Yeah, T. Ebony is pretty Akila obviously. Akila Silva. Yeah. Taureen C. Sanderlin. I don't know. That's what it says anyway. The authorities said there would have been uh, greater bloodshed had a 29-year-old customer, James Shaw Jr., who was black himself, as a matter of fact, had not wrested the rifle away from Mr. Ryan King while he was reloading. Mr. Ryan King fled the restaurant after the attack, the police said, naked except for a green jacket. Hmm. Apparently he's won the Masters, so that's good. Yeah. Um, Poor the, choice of words, that a man naked from the waist down, there's a massive manhunt on for him. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation added Mr. Ryan King to its top ten most wanted list, describing as six foot four. Wow. Boy, he's a big kid. A white male with brown hair, brown eyes, who weighs 180 pounds. Mr. Ryan King has had other encounters with law enforcement, including an arrest near the White House last July where he crossed a security barrier in pursuit of meeting with President Trump. Yeah, meeting. Police reports show family members expressed concern for his welfare after he exhibited delusional behavior for an extended time, including expressing a belief that the entertainer Taylor Swift was stalking him. And hacking his phone and Netflix account. She's got to knock that off. She's, She's got to really, find something else to do with her time. All she does is stalk people. So yet again, it's someone who should have been put in a psychiatric institution, but no one cared enough to... I'm. Well, Are we still talking about Taylor Swift? Yes. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder where Dad was. Hmm. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because, uh, as you pointed out, 16 of the last 17 mass shooters, the fathers were not present in the home. That is, uh, yeah, the family unit is a very, very important situation. And what, 52 or 53 percent of marriages now end in divorce in America? I got to believe it's higher than that. It's probably higher than that. But I, you know, I, I also think that you can't just blame parents for it. Parents can only do what parents can do. Yeah, if they're and, there. And then. we're in a different place yeah, now, are. right? I mean, yep. you know, our parents could get by on $250 a month for mortgage. Now yeah. you can't get a mortgage for less than $2,000 a month. Everybody in the family's got to right. work. That, that, that nuclear family thing is no longer a thing. You know, you just can't no, have agree. mom at home and dad working and coming home and being right. with the family on the weekends. It's you, A lot of these people I know, even couples that are together, are working two and three jobs yep. in order to keep things straight. Well, here's the thing about that. So dad was in the picture for once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so he, the kid had previously threatened people with a rifle. Um, so they took his guns away. Um and gave them to the dad, who then gave them back to Travis. Oh, there you go. And Travis used one of those guns to do the Waffle House shooting, so dad might have made a bad decision on that part. In that case, dad should then be held accountable as well. I agree, he should be charged. In that case, when they've already taken it away from him because of threats, and he deemed it, you know... Uh, yeah. To give it back, then he should also be held responsible, culpable for yeah. you know uh, accessory accessory after I guess. the fact. I yeah, agree because... with you. He he should be held be held responsible for that because he gave the guns back to this nut job. Yeah, he was. Uh, it's unclear whether he violated any actual laws, but yeah. he did for sure. You know, at least do something that was very stupid and resulted in death. So you know. Yeah. He here says, we go. Yeah, he was. Uh, not allowed to own guns as of August, and yet, there you go, guns. See, it says here in this uh, uh, in this article, Sheriff Houston said, we have no information about how Travis came back into possession of these firearms. Well, maybe it's new information. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, yeah here we go. It was published uh, 9.17 a.m. today. Oh, wait, updated 102 
Oh, uh, well, there you go. Yeah. So That's why they didn't know. I think this is new information that the dad, yeah. So dad admitted giving them the guns back. <laughs> I don't know if that was a good idea, dad. You might be in a little bit of trouble there. Oh, yeah, I gave him the guns back, so what? Yikes. Yeah. Um, I, well, the, the sheriff's office says that one of the guns that they father had was the gun used to um, perpetrate the right. shooting. So right. either Dad gave him back the gun or he didn't lock it up. Just he did something dumb. Well, still, if your son has been stripped of, of being allowed to have any kind of weapons and you are not keeping those things under lock and key, yeah, exactly. yeah. there's still culpability at that point. Well, yeah, I your agree. kid's going out and threatening people with a rifle. You lock the rifles up. That's just yeah. something you do. So is there any explanation why this kid was so nuts? I mean, what, what, why did he love to threaten people so much? It sounds like he was just... He had schizophrenia or so something he did like that. See and hear things. And well, talk I mean, if he thought Taylor Swift was stalking him, that's, that's true. That's yeah, pretty that's, textbook. That's paranoid delusional yeah. too. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty textbook paranoid delusions. So he absolutely should have been on something at the very least, but he wasn't. Because I got to be honest with you, if I were, how old is he? Twenty four. Um, I yes, twenty nine. Twenty nine. He's twenty nine. Six foot four hundred eighty pounds. And he's really concerned that a woman who's worth about $600 million wants him. Mm. Do you think some more Taylor Swift's going, ooh, maybe I pushed this too far? <laughs> maybe I pushed this thing way You shouldn't have written all those songs about him. Yes. Oh, jeez. Well, that's he's, terrible. That's probably what he's going to think. Well, there are a lot of celebrities. It's really creepy when you realize. Oh, um, God. You know, we were talking earlier how people cannot, uh, not everyone, of course, but a lot of people can't differentiate between it being an actor and a character that that person plays. Very that's, true, yeah, yeah, that's what I was and, talking about in the pe- first hour. Right, and people are treated poorly because they are the villain in a movie or a yeah. TV series oh, yeah. or, or whatever. Show. and uh, Right, radio show. <laughs> and then you get into these positions where um, you've got people that are undiagnosed with mental disorders. Right. And they're watching this and they're believing these things are happening. It's like, you know, look at Manson believed that the Beatles wrote the damn White Album for him and that, yeah, that yeah. those lyrics were to yep. in, invigorate his war and start this thing. And he didn't, there was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He knew that this revolution had to come because the Beatles were telling yep. him yep. to. Well, on You're that one guy right. who shot someone because of Jody Foster, was it? Yeah, that he was, was trying uh, to impress John Hinckley Jr. He yeah, was, he was to, trying yeah. to impress Jody Foster, which yeah, he actually was. There are so many insane yeah. people nothing, out there. Nothing to turn a woman on like trying to assassinate the president. <laughs> wow, well, yeah. yeah. What oh, could by I do way, to get her attention? After I if I killed Reagan, yeah. After threatening people with the rifle, he then drove to a public pool and exposed himself. Perfect. So mm, perfect. Yeah. Little yeah. bit of insanity going on here. We will take a break. Be right back, Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company? A better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Family is the most important thing in my life. That's why all my family joins me on my podcast. You also probably know I love our country's military. I've been open and honest about that forever. I've always been aware that our military men and women come from families, but I made a strong connection between family and military when I learned about the work of the Gold Star Ride Foundation. This organization helps families when the unspeakable happens, when our men and women in uniform are killed, 
they step up. They help with money and personal visits to families throughout the United States. Imagine your deepest, darkest hour when you think you've been forgotten for the sacrifice you've made and your sadness is overwhelming. That's when the Gold Star Ride Foundation shows up to lend a helping hand. An organization founded by a disabled veteran, the Gold Star Ride Foundation needs your help. Won't you join me in supporting the great cause like Weston Shoppers, North Light Color, and Print Media Minnesota? www.goldstarride.org, all spelled out, is where you can easily make a donation. www.goldstarride.org, because it's family, and we're all in this together. Goldstarride.org. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was a minute 48. That commercial was a minute 48? It's hard to tell. No way. Maybe. No way it was oh, wait. No, it was a minute 15, so I can do a little bit of paring down. That's fine. Well, if you just run it with the 30, you'll be okay. That's true. Yeah, it'll be fine where, where it is. It'll be fine. We'll blame Tony. Tony wrote him. No, it's, uh, I, I just want that, that that message to be delivered uh, yeah. directly, you know, so we don't need to do any chopping with it. Well, so wait, am I recording it, or are you going to read it live every time? I thought you, I told you to record it. I always, we record everything. Okay, well then it's recorded. Okay. You pill. Mm. Andy's a pill. Have you ever noticed that, Mark? Oh, no, wait a minute, Mike? Yeah, uh, it's uh, Daryl. <laughs> it's Daryl. <laughs> yeah, I, I never really <laughs> thought you sounded like Mike, but. Yeah, it's a whole different deal. Well, it's over the phone. Lammers is old, hard of hearing, you know, all those years of rock and roll music. The movies, they're too loud. I love that. <laughs> I love that a lot. A van plowed into a group of pedestrians in Toronto on Monday, today, oh, injuring about 10 people. But whether it did so deliberately was not clear. The driver was in custody, reports the CBC, though no details were immediately provided about the arrest, nor was it clear how seriously any of the injuries were. Police say the van had fled the scene after the incident. Well, then it, I think it was pretty obvious that they did intend it. <laughs> exactly, since 10 people were injured. Uh, yeah. Police said the van fled the scene after the incident, which happened about 1.30 p.m. at the busy intersection of Yonge Street and Finch Avenue. Per the AP, reports were that a white van mounted the curb, drove down the sidewalk at South Pontiac. Well, it wasn't an accident if he went up on the sidewalk intentionally. Uh, struck eight of to uh, eight to ten people, possibly. The numbers aren't confirmed yet, a police spokesman uh, tells Canada's Global News. So it sure sounds like somebody drove up on the sidewalk again. That's what they love to do now, bike paths and yeah. sidewalks now. Well, I mean, you can't take away everyone's cars, so no, you know, exactly. that's a weapon that they're not going to be able to do anything about unless they start installing bollards or whatever the hell well, they're you'd, called you'd like to think that it was not that but we don't know if you know the, right. did the driver have a seizure right was there well, what if they drove away afterwards they're at the very least guilty of you know well some of them some people have these seizures and while they're in the midst of it the throes of it they come out of it and don't realize even yeah. what's going on for yeah. them then that kind of fugue state for a little bit so i don't know yeah i mean i god it's just terrifying to think that that's taking place we were out in england twice last year after the attacks where people were oh, driving yeah. the white vans and, and everybody's yep. like just keep your eye out for white panel vans oh, if we God. see anything get the hell out of the yeah. way that's uh, all you can do i don't understand how you get it in your head no matter how much you believe in your society how much you believe in your people how much you believe in your god whatever the deal is that you can kill people to send a message well yeah. i have no doubt that the you know van 
Islam extremists have the exact same problem as this Waffle House kid. They just manifest in a different way. I guess so. It's just all of these people. uh, Well, look, I mean, when I was a little kid, the first thing that I remember as a real little kid was JFK's assassination. And I, I thought back then, why would you shoot the president? Why on earth would you shoot the president of the United States? In 100 years, they're going to look back and think, like, how did we survive in a society where we couldn't tell if someone was crazy or not? Yeah, that's true. Because we don't. We have absolutely no way to tell uh, whether or not someone has violent thoughts or is delusional or right. something like that. And people that. are becoming more disenfranchised, right? Oh, there, so, more yeah. people are staying in. More people are breaking away from community oh, yeah. and from real one-on-one yeah, that's uh, true. communication. And I think it's going to just uh, sadly keep getting bigger and uglier because people feel that that break and they feel that... You know, and then they see something. One of these extremist groups start talking about this is the way to make life better. Right. And to the broken minded yep. already, boy, if this will get me in, I can't stand life. I can't stand being here. But if in the name of Allah or in the name of God or in the name of Elvis Presley, I can do this act and get into heaven now, then, uh-huh. you know, like Andy said, that's kind of the hit on the head. It's the same issue as that kid in the Waffle House just. They're finding right. the broken people that are easy to manipulate and fulfill a need that they have. Andy, would you check and see if the, if the St. Andrews people are here? I think maybe they might be. Okay. I hope not. I mean, there's only 20 minutes left of the show yeah. today. So. Oh, from St. Andrews? Yeah. Oh, come on in. Come on in. Well, there you go. How you doing? Yeah, you could have come for the entire show if you wanted. We, there's only like 25 minutes left now. Is that going to be long enough? Or well, do you we have a back? guest in the third segment, so we got about 10 minutes. Well, no, but they're just going to sit down. Yeah. Take it easy. Uh, any chair is fine. Okay. Any of the three. Oh, you're going to move over? Yeah. Couldn't he be all professional? Yeah. Hi, Tom. Matt Anderson. Nice to nice see you, Matt. To you. Oh, yeah. Jeff, nice to see you. Matt and Jeff. God. Mutt and Jeff? I knew somebody <laughs> was going to say Mutt and Jeff. Yeah. I knew it. You guys might probably not even old enough to know who Mutt and Jeff are. You're right. It's an <laughs> ancient comic. It's an ancient comic. There was it was like the, one of the first comics ever, Mutt and Jeff. Yeah, the you know the Sunday comics or whatever. They were called Mutt and Jeff. Yeah, I didn't think you were old enough to know who that is. <laughs> a little short, <laughs> and, you know. Oh, look at Big Shot over there. Jeff's putting. He's got the. He's got the mouthpiece. He, he's got the NFL. Uh, the Michelle Tafoya headset. <laughs> he's got over there. Uh, <laughs> this is the kind of humor that Mutt and Jeff was. Mutt, can you lend me your umbrella? Sure, but what do you want with an umbrella? There's no sign of rain. I know, but it will rain someday. Ah, those crazy kids. (laughs) Those crazy Mutt and Jeff kids. Yep. (laughs) So aren't you glad you didn't know who Mutt and Jeff (laughs) were? 1907 it came out. 1907. That is a long time ago. But it'll rain someday. Don't you forget it. Get it? Because it's not raining? Yes. Mm -hmm. We do get it. We were just going uh, through some uh, some news. It wasn't. We have a guest coming up in a bit, but we're just going through some news. Uh, a van ran up on the sidewalk and hit ten people. Uh, we got a guy killed four people at a Waffle House. I just I don't know what that's all about. Oh, so you have an auction you're doing? No, they they won the auction. Oh, you won the auction. Okay. We auctioned you off, Andy. Okay. You didn't know this. <laughs> oh, it's weird. It says won't be talking. 
So you're oh, just... you don't want to talk? You don't. You can talk if you want. You don't have to. <laughs> we have... They both look like they're in pain and terrified that you're going to speak to them directly. <laughs> don't make eye contact with Tom. Conflicting information. <laughs> it's like you're in the midst of being in front yeah. of an actual grizzly bear. We you don't can, have to look. You can talk if you want to, but you don't have to, I guess, is yeah, the, the, the idea. Feel comfortable. Be comfortable doing either one. It's up to you. But thank you for the uh, donations yeah. in order to be here. Yeah. Good it's cause. a wonderful thing. It goes to a good cause. It does, yeah. Yeah. It goes to Saint. Does it go to Saint Andrews? It goes to Saint Andrews. Yeah. So it's where got, our kids went to school when right. they were little kids, fifth and sixth grade. Yeah. Andy went yeah. to fifth and sixth grade, and Alex went what second through sixth or third through sixth. She. I don't think she, was she there till the yeah. sixth grade. I don't know why she. Went no, I don't then. remember. Well, you had moved on by. Where did you go for seventh grade? Uh, that was ACA. Oh God, that lasted a week. Yeah. So they leave. <laughs> they leave Saint Andrews, right? And they go to this other school, and they're there September, and then October comes along, and I said, well, to, to the principal, well, you be putting up the old Halloween decorations pretty soon. Uh, no, we won't. I said, what? I said, we are not uh, celebrating a satanic holiday. The devil's holiday. Like, Boy, look at the time. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to have my kids continue to go here, but not a chance. Yeah, they, they thought that Halloween was the devil's... I, that's probably what you think, Dave. No. <laughs> I do not, actually. The devil's holiday. We just turned it around. The whole thing is about scaring off evil. That's why you put the jack-o'-lanterns out. Exactly. You put all that stuff out, to, to and, you, and you wear scary costumes to be offensive to the devil and his minions. Mm. Did you know that? See, Dave knows all that yeah. stuff. So when you dress Although, up as Iron Man, the devil's not scared of that? Uh, devil's terrified <laughs> of that, but uh, I think people lost their way when they started dressing up in sexy uh, Snow White costumes. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you go look at costumes for your 7- and 8-year-old daughters and their uh, mini skirts and, yeah. and tied tops, I don't understand the. That's a trend that That is a sign die. that Satan is starting to rise again, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it really All is. right, full disclosure, my very first costume. Remember, at 4 years old, was here we go. a sexy Snow White costume, No, no, but it was worse. What? It was a devil costume, right? I dressed up as the devil, four <laughs> years old, and um, we're going along. And my mother goes, Tom, what are you doing? And I said, what? Because there was a little flap in the back, right, of the costume because it was a full-body costume. Wow. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to be wearing underwear on the <laughs> costume. <laughs> so apparently old butt was hanging out. Yeah. Four-year-old. Full moon on Halloween. That's Full no moon more. on Halloween, absolutely. <laughs> that worked out really well. Thanks a lot for that. It's like, Tom, button that up, would you please? What are you doing? I'm like, I didn't have any idea what I was supposed to be doing, so leave me alone. The devil doesn't wear underwear. It's in the Bible, Grandma. Yes, Grandma. What do you think of that? He says he was just trying to annoy his girlfriend. A Scottish court decided in March it uh, qualified as a hate crime. Now Marcus Meekham um, okay, um, will have to pay roughly $1,100 over the video he posted on April 2000, in April 2016 that showed his girlfriend's pug making a Nazi-like salute. It's a dog. Lots but it's of dogs a Nazi do dog. Yeah. But, I mean, lots of dogs put their paw up in there, don't mm -hmm. they? Mm -hmm. It's not a Nazi salute. You are so liberal, the way you just let dogs carry on like that. Yes, I know. It's unbelievable. Yes. The BBC reports the video. At least it wasn't a German shepherd. Then we'd have a real problem. Oh, see, he titled it. What? M8, your dog's mate, a Nazi. M8 is mate. Oh, mate. Oh, mate. Yeah. Yes. Mate, your dog's a Nazi. Yeah. Uh, was viewed more than three million times in it. Meekum repeatedly asked his girlfriend's dog, Buddha, 
Yeah, I don't know if Buddha had much faith in old Adolf Hitler. I, I don't make this, a connection there at all. Doesn't this go under the rule of uh, satire? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he's obviously would, yeah. he's joking. Your dog's a Nazi. I don't think it exactly. has an actual affiliation with the Nazi party. Uh, if the pug wants to... Oh, God. Oh, God. It was viewed more than three million times in it. Meekum repeatedly asked his girlfriend's dog, Buddha, if the pug wants to gas the Jews. All right, that's stepping over the line. <laughs> yeah, he did, he made it pretty obvious that it was a Nazi joke. Yeah, apparently it was yeah. a Nazi joke. And Never in mind. Europe, those are not okay. Oh, the wife's going to love this. this Put your paw up like you're Hitler. I like you're Hitler, lad. Who you wants to like... gas the Jews? This is going to be hysterical online. Gas the Jews. How can oh. you even say the words gas the Jews yeah. in here? Humor. Well, because these people are over a hundred years removed from the whole. Well, not over a hundred years, but nearly a hundred years uh, removed nearly. from the thing. And yeah, nearly. Scotland wasn't really that big into it, so it's no, like they you were know, not. Scotland was totally against it. Yeah, it's like joking about the I don't know Armenian genocide. It's absurdist humor. Absurdist. That's what he was going for. Absurdist humor. Exactly. <laughs> well, it didn't work. <laughs> nope. And I got to tell you, Barnard is actually a Scottish name, so back off, Buster. Leave my family heritage. I don't know. I, the, the name is Scottish, but but mm-hmm. my ancestors were all kicked out of England. Understandable. You know, that's really nice. There was one other Tom Bernard in my entire family history, and he was deported from England to America. <laughs> what a great family history I got. Huh? And Minnesota spent the last 40 years trying to figure out how to get you deported to Wisconsin. Hey, why, right? don't you, why don't you go back to England and take uh, all the papers with you? Whatever works. That's all I know. Yeah, so I don't uh, I don't really understand the... Look, dogs do stick their paw up in the air, so that apparently is where he got the idea that it was a Nazi salute, because a dog was going to do it anyway. But then the gas the Jews joke, I yeah. don't really understand where he came up with that. I wonder if he sat around and read up on the, what the Nazis were up to. I think that's pretty common knowledge. Yeah, but I, I don't know if this say. guy was... Mr. Meekum was bright enough to have that knowledge. I think you have to read. Well, no, you just watch television, though. Yeah. You'd find out just watching television. You don't even know, have to know how to read. Well, but, like um, I said, it's an absurdist humor. People think, you know, you push that on, you say that thing, and it's, you know, it's so absurd. It's so stupid. I, you can't possibly be offended because yeah, you know I'm joking. But on the other side, it's totally offensive and, <laughs> and past that line of acceptance. I have never <laughs> understood that kind of humor. No. That way over the top. This yeah. is so offensive that it's funny. Mm-hmm. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Is Lori on the phone? Uh-huh. Dr. Lori, as a matter of fact. Now, we were we were we placed bets, three of us, on how to pronounce your last name. N-A-D-E-L. It's either Nadel or Nadell. Nadel, thank you. Nadel. Thanks for having me on. It's thank nice you. It's an amalgam of both. It's an amalgam of both. Yeah, we, we, we both kind of guess right, and we both kind <laughs> yeah, of guess pretty wrong. pretty close. Nadel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Laurie Nadel, ladies and gentlemen. The book is called The Five Gifts Discovering Hope, Healing, and Strength When Disaster Strikes. And by the way, uh, a guy that's on my morning show, I also do a morning show, and Dan Rather is on the, uh, on the show quite often. He's, he's quite the guy. Yes. We, uh, uh, amazing. He is. We had a nice discussion, as a matter of fact, because I have to take a break here in about 20 seconds, but I will lead with this, that Dan Rather and I, last time he was on, we talked about uh, something that Martin Luther King Jr. said that everybody either has forgotten about or doesn't talk about much any longer, said the most brilliant words about society and getting along 
content of a of a person's character. I think he said a man, but content of your character. That's all that matters. Uh, and Dan and I had a great conversation about that. It was wonderful. Fantastic. We will be back in just about a minute and a half more with Dr. Lori Nadell right after this Tom Bernard show. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. Gold Star Family is a recognition that no family wants. To be a Gold Star Family, someone in your family has joined the military and not come home. A Gold Star Family is a family with an empty chair at the Thanksgiving dinner table and unopened presents under the Christmas tree. Someone in that family will never, ever come home again. It's a sad thing, but a very real thing. The Gold Star Ride Foundation pays tribute to these families one doorbell at a time. By visiting those families all across America... Over a seven-week period, the Gold Star Ride will travel at least 20,000 miles, burn through 5,000 gallons of gas, ring 100 doorbells, and provide education benefits to the widows and orphans of our nation's fallen heroes in a very humble attempt to say thank you, and we are sorry for your loss. We can't do it without you. Join Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, Print Media Minnesota, and the Tom Bernard Podcast in supporting this wonderful organization. Your tax-deductible donation can be made visiting www.goldstarride.org. That's goldstarride.org. We're all in this together. Do it now. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Matt and Jeff are still with us, and Andy told them a 111-year-old joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 1907. Uh-huh. It's all, do you remember Mutton, Jeff, Lori? Oh, Nader? sure, of course, yeah. We have a yeah. couple of guests uh, in studio, Matt and Jeff. So, of course, uh, they they, were, they referenced Mutt and Jeff. It was Mutt and Jeff, yeah. But unfortunately, Matt and Jeff were too young to even know who Mutt and Jeff were. <laughs> so <laughs> the joke kind of fell apart early on us, but we got uh, over it. Um, the f- five gifts discovering hope, healing, and strength when disaster strikes. Um, Doctor, how bad does a disaster have to be? Because I think people need hope, healing, and strength right now across the board. I really do. Well, you know, we have personal disasters, uh, certainly um, a catastrophic event, a a car accident. Uh, We're talking about, you know, disasters, meaning uh, events that that are kind of impersonal and that, or... um, you know, where there's, there's like a random act of violence or an epidemic or um, a hurricane of some kind and uh, just some kind of natural disaster. So what uh, experts are saying is that uh, it, that disasters of all kinds are on the rise. 
We have mm-hmm. um, natural disasters, environmental disasters, and what we call intentional disasters, which are uh, human to human, like uh, the, the Parkland shooting, for example, or yesterday the Waffle House uh, shooting over the weekend well, in an- Nashville. Another so one they're kind today. of random. But they are on the increase, unfortunately. Well, they are. There were, another one happened today, a man in a van. Well, they think it was a man. In a van pulled up on a sidewalk and hit 8 to 10 people. They don't oh, my know God. That. I didn't see that. Where yeah, was that? In Toronto. In Toronto, oh, yeah. So, it, so sorry to hear that. It just happened. But but they are on the rise. I uh, I will tell you, doctor, that I, I, um, I was 11 years old when JFK was assassinated. So it's kind of been a situation since I was a little boy, these disasters happened. And in the 60s, there were, there were tons of them, people being gunned down in the streets, national yeah. figures, leaders, everybody from JFK to Martin Luther King Jr. to Bobby Kennedy. You go down the list of people. Um, and then it seemed like people finally had had enough of it and just settled down. But right now, it seems that people are as angry as I can ever remember them being. Uh, they will not pay attention to another person's thoughts unless you agree with me. I hate you, which I don't really understand. That they they cannot see that that is a disaster waiting to happen. Do people not understand that? You know, I, I, I what I find really disturbing, and I think what you said is is particularly uh, important because it's it's the climate of of mental violence. Uh, it's the climate of verbal violence and, and social violence that has become um, socially acceptable in the last few years. And I mean, it's been this 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 trend has been kind of in the works for a while, but now it's it's just breached. Uh, you know, the tide is it's like the tide of violence just keeps keeps coming in and coming in. The thing that I like to, to remind people, as you were referencing the '60s, is that these mm-hmm. these, these circles of turbulence. Uh, they're cycles, and you know they're they're not they're not like quick cycles like uh, a three week cycle. I mean, very often no. they're, they're cycles that go on for uh, a decade or or more. But they usually wear themselves out, you know, within a period of several years. Now, with natural disasters, and there were, there were some studies that were done in 2012 that said by the year uh, to 2025, uh, probably uh, 220 million people in this country will have uh, experienced the mental health damage from uh, climate change and natural disasters. No, that's that's like a lot of people. 220 right million there. people out of 350 million. Right. So two-thirds right. of the people will? Uh, yes, two-thirds of us will because, um, you know, if we look at what's been happening, of course, the, you know, natural natural disasters are on the rise. That that study was done uh, eight years ago, so we're, we're almost in the middle of the cycle where the storms are increasing in frequency and intensity. And so every time there is a natural disaster, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are, um, they, they suffer flashbacks, they suffer nightmares. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a financial catastrophe that happens as a result of the, uh, you know, physical devastation to your home, to your property. There's loss of life, you know, there, there, there's illness, but the, the strain of attempting to rebuild your life after some act of destruction, whether you consider it an act of force of nature or a spiritual force, it uh, it's something that takes years and it takes a very heavy emotional toll on people, and that's just starting to be recognized. You know, doctor, it's interesting because before the show started about three and a half hours ago, I was talking to a friend out in the waiting area, 
and I don't want to mention the other radio guy's name or, or give him any publicity, but we were talking about how, how it's possible that your child was at Parkland or Sandy Hook or, or wherever, and your child's never coming home again because some psycho went in and shot people to death. Your child's never coming home again, and then there's this radio guy, a uh, national figure, who insists that it never happened. It was all staged, and uh, it was done so the government could get our guns away from us. How people deal with, I've already lost my child forever, now I have to hear this psycho talking about what never happened. Well, what happened to their kids? I, I, here's what I don't understand about this. How, how you could take the position, this was all staged, and it never happened, and yet these people's children are never coming home again. What do they do, hide the kids in the attic? Uh, why? Yeah, it's lunacy. It's, it's lunacy. It's, it's, just, it's lunacy. And um, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of it out there. Mm -hmm. And um, I know from having spoken with people who were, you know, had, had direct experience um, at, in Parkland in, in the high school that, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of people have unfriended uh, people on social media because yeah. the, their, their contacts on social media were, were promulgating, you know, this, this lunatic, uh, you know, it's not even a theory, you know, just this, this lunatic uh, concept yeah. that somehow or other, you know, these events were staged, um, you know, their atrocities. So, you know, if you think that the government or anybody can stage an atrocity for some reason, um, you know, taking people's guns away is, is uh, hardly on, on any, uh, it's, not on, it's not on the local or federal government's agenda. And it just makes no sense whatsoever. It's just craziness. Let us talk about the good part, the five gifts, yeah. discovering right. hope, healing, and strength. Because I, I think, yes, when dis disaster strikes, obviously it's very necessary. But I think it's just a good thing for everybody in everyday life, discovering hope and healing and strength. Because there's an, there are enough things, not at that level, but there are enough things that... You know, the one thing I've really noticed... Dr. Nadell, is, is the fact that people's love of mon money has just skyrocketed and people will do anything for money now. That's very disturbing to me. Well, I, I think we've lost, uh, we, we've kind of lost touch with the values that the country was founded upon and uh, also, you know, the values of uh, leaders like Martin Luther King or um, mm -hmm. you know, late President Kennedy. Uh, you know, somehow or other, money has become a value and it's right. actually a pseudo value i mean it, it doesn't money in and of itself you know it's not integrity it's not freedom um you know it's not social responsibility these are values and so in looking at uh, in the book i look at how other cultures other other countries people in other countries and indigenous people native american people uh what values do they have that has helped them to endure through long periods of adversity, hardship, famine, epidemic, you know, warfare, uh, food shortages, uh, natural disasters, environmental disasters, all of these things that we, we're now in a, in a turbulent cycle and we don't really have the mindset in this culture because we've shifted away from our core values. And so let's look at how other people have gotten through these events with hope, with healing, with dignity, with strength, with compassion, because an opportunity for us to relearn and to model what we need to learn so that we can live life with uh, more courage and hope and healing. 
You know, it's interesting. I, I talked to uh, the people who were involved in the AA programs, NA programs. I said, you know, whether you're a drug addict or an alcoholic or whatever, I think living your life one day at a time is a great idea anyway. I just think it's a good way to live. It's like I have today. I woke up this morning and I'll go to sleep tonight. So just having today, living life one day at a time, I think is a wonderful idea. Oh, I think it's really the only way to live. Um, you know, sometimes we, you know, after you've been through a disaster, you, your, your days get very, very, very long. Uh, time kind of stretches, and uh, sometimes you you can only live one phone call at a time or one hour at a time. Right. And uh, people who've been recovering, uh, people in recovery from addictions often say that, you know, sometimes you have to live, live it one hour at a time. I think that's good advice. I really do. Um, do you have a lot of you know, you're a practicing psychotherapist, correct? Right. Do you have a lot of people coming to you now, maybe maybe more than ever, saying, I, I need to find some hope? Have people lost hope, or are they getting to the point they may be losing hope? I, I don't, you know, people who are coming to me haven't lost hope. There's certainly a, I mean, the studies also show there's a higher level of, of uh, kind of uncertainty and an insecurity uh, kind of in the, the I guess, the, the general emotional climate, I would say, mm-hmm. um, you know, because we are in a very unstable period right now. Uh, but I, I don't see that people are losing hope at all. I think Good. people are, are definitely looking for, um, they're looking for answers, they're looking for insight, um, you know, they're trying to find ways that they can, um, you know, get through the day with, uh, with the, without losing optimism. And uh, with with we and, and I think that one of one of the, the gifts we talk about the the five gifts are humility, patience, empathy, forgiveness, and growth. And I call them the unbearable gifts because nobody wants them until we need them. But uh, patience and uh, empathy, I think, are the gifts that people are really drawing from right now because we need to be connected with each other. And we we need to we need to help each other. We need to support each other, and we need to have patience because things aren't going to be changing overnight. No, that's for sure. You know, it's funny you ran down the five gifts, and as you were going through them, I was thinking, you did not describe one radio person I know. Tell <laughs> 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 the truth. <laughs> but you know. Well, let's see. I mean, who wants humility? Wouldn't you rather have a million Twitter followers? I mean. Who wants humility, really? I actually, you know? Dr. Nadell, I don't go on social media. Oh. I have not in five years. Um, I think that's very wise. I just found people to be far too mean-spirited. I'm a bigger guy. You know, I've gotten on a little bit now. But uh, but I just, it was so odd that people would threaten me to what appeared to them to be my face when actually I they had some fake name. Now, I use my real name on Twitter and Facebook when I was on there. And people would threaten me and say horrible things to me, but it'd be like, Billy 617. I was like, well, come on. Right. You know, what joy do you find in hiding behind some moniker, threatening people and saying horrible things about them? What is, what's the <clears throat> psychology behind that, Dr. Nadell? Maybe I'm asking you the toughest question you've ever been asked, because I don't well, get uh, it. Yeah, that, that's a very tough question. Um, I, I think the invisibility factor on social media and uh, online in general, um, it, it provides a, a, a natural mask for people right. who are basically dangerous, uh, destructive, 
or, or mean-spirited, or and, and then people get sucked into the kind of the void of digital, you know, life, and they believe that their people on Facebook are real people, and that you know the people who right. tweet, you know, to them are real people, and many of them are just, you know, if, if, if we haven't learned anything from the election of 2016, it's how easy it is to fool people on on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're all, you know, we're all vulnerable if if, if uh, Somebody contacts me on social media and anything seems a little bit uh, out of line. Uh, their profile is a little bit uh, vague or sketchy. Right. Um, I, I just disconnect them immediately. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm not interested. Uh, I need people, you know, who I, I need to connect with people who are real, genuine people. And I'm not opposed to, um, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to social media, but I think we have to be very discriminating and, and, and very careful because there's, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, bullies out there who can hide behind the digital mask. No question. Discovering hope, healing, and strength when disaster strikes. The five gifts again are, Dr. Nadell? Humility, patience, empathy, forgiveness, and growth. All right, I have to work on patience first, and then I'll get back to you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Nadell, you've been a great guest. Thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful right, day. Take care. Bye-bye. The Five Gifts, Dr. Lori Nadell, N-A-D-E-L. Matt and Jeff, you made far too much noise <laughs> when you were in today. There's no question about it. Is it unusual to sit and watch somebody interview someone? Yeah, I haven't seen that before. you never seen it so, before? Oh, it's interesting. It, yeah, I, 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 people get an idea in their in their minds what it, what it probably is or what happens. There's not a whole lot of prompting. There's not a lot of notes I have in front of me. Yeah. I have her name and the name of her book up here. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I just, I find it to be the best way to interview someone because it's very natural. It's, you know, what I felt reading those stories today that Andy brought up. That's my son, Andy, by the way, oh. who Hello. went to St. Andrews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, great school, by the way. Yeah. And I still love the fact, I, I have not been to church in a long time, but is Jesus still off the cross? <laughs> I think so. I think he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, have, they have the, they have the yeah. cross, and then Jesus is over here. That's He's right. off the, it was, yeah. I'll never forget that. Uh, great place. I'm really, really glad that our kids went to that school. They both, you, both you and Alex, loved going to St. Andrews. Mm-hmm. It was, a, and I don't think Andy ever liked another school again after St. Andrews, did you? Well. <laughs> This goes well. Oh, Mrs. Bjorkdahl is still the fourth grade teacher. She is? She was my fourth grade teacher, yeah. Or I think she was fifth grade at the time. Fifth grade at the time. Yeah, I I recognize her name. A wonderful school. That was a a great thrill for us living up in Dayton and getting together at, uh, oh, God, my agent's calling me. This can't be good. (laughs) You have more work for you to do, Tom. Well, we're a minute and a half. uh, We are. We got to go. Thank you very much for coming down, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Stop by anytime you, with your donation. I mean, you only got a half an hour out of the deal. Stop by That's again right. if you'd like. Yeah, I'd like it. Great. Thank you. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom Bernard Show.